I interviewed one of the titans of the regenerative agriculture movement, Gabe Brown, author of one of the you know cornerstone books, Dirt to Soil. He's come up with his partner, Dr. Alan Williams, who was a previous guest on our podcast with a certification for farmers and products that are really transparent and show the true regenerative nature behind what they're doing. So let's visit with Gabe and learn a lot more about what's going on. And uh, he's a good dude, really enjoyed this one. Welcome to the Sewing Prosperity Podcast with host Logan Duvall. This father of four is an Arkansas successful small business owner whose world was turned upside down with the cancer diagnosis of his then five-year-old son. As Napoleon Hill famously stated, every adversity, every failure, Every heartbreak carries with it the seed of an equivalent or greater benefit. Come and join us on our journey to create a Blue Zone community with a focus on a holistic approach to anti-cancer, regenerative farming, and strengthening local economies. All right, Gabe, I am uh, just tickled to have you on, my friend. been following your work for a long time, but uh, for anybody that might not know who you are, uh, can you give like the 30-second the intro to uh, how you got into the regenerative agricultural world? Well, thank you. It's a real pleasure to be with you today. Uh, so I am a farmer rancher from near Bismarck, North Dakota. And uh, while farming and ranching in the mid-90s, I went through a period of four years, three of hail and one of drought. and bank wasn't going to loan me money anymore and I had to figure out how can I make my ranch productive without all of the synthetic inputs and sent me on a path of education and just learning how to convert dirt to soil. Converting dirt to soil. I love it. So uh, just necessity. You got into this type of farming based off of necessity. That's, that's right. That's exactly right. Found myself 1.5 million in debt and the bank didn't want to loan me money anymore and I had to figure things out. So fortunately I was put in a position of meeting a lot of uh, very good people at the right time and I'm an insatiable learner and I tell people Gabe Brown's really not very smart, I'm just very good at stealing other people's ideas. So, what Whatever what it takes. <laughs> I love that. So now you do a lot of teaching and consulting based off of what you've learned uh, by, you know, learning from other people and applying them. And you mentioned that you had got, come down to Arkansas. So that means you're, you travel everywhere. Well, yeah, uh, my partners and I own a consulting business called Understanding Ag. And we named it that because we realized that What's missing in agriculture is education. Farmers and ranchers cannot implement what they do not know. And there's very few places out there that are really teaching these time-tested ecological principles and how that drives the four ecosystem processes. And once you understand that, this really isn't that difficult. And so our consulting company, we founded it just over five years ago. And it's grown extremely rapidly where today we're consulting on over 33 million acres across North America, uh, everywhere from Mexico on up into Canada. We were in 46 of the 50 states last year. 
actively consulting along with England and Ireland. And so uh, us and our consultants travel around a little bit. <laughs> that, uh, that little bit of debt and having to learn uh, worked out to being a big old impact, didn't it? Yeah, I guess I can't complain. God had a plan. Amen. Amen. Uh, and so I have uh, visited with Alan before. Uh, that's that's been a little bit. And so he's one of your bit. Alan Williams, one of your partners in the consulting. And um, there's a lot of respect. Like, I, I think your group has a lot of credibility and outside respect. I think there's still a lot of the conventional and industrial mindset that's just like they, they're not real happy with with this. But I'll tell you, Gabe. The reason that I'm so unbelievably passionate about this is because I've got four kids and my oldest was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And I know unequivocally that what we eat and the toxins that we don't put into our bodies matter a whole lot. And so that's that's my desire to promote y'all is like, I just want people to be healthy. And uh, I think the method in which you're preaching and and getting out there checks those boxes. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate your story. And yes, that is the driving force of myself, our partners, our whole team is how can we truly use food as preventative medicine? Because we contend that we no longer eat food in this country. We eat food like substances, you know, that it's all fake. And just pick up uh, any package in most grocery stores and take a look at the label. Those are not things that our grandparents would have understood. And we need to understand that in order to truly produce nutrient-dense food, we need to have healthy soil because the healthier the soil, the more diverse the, the microbiome in that soil is, the more diverse array of these phytochemical compounds that are going to be in our plants and our animals and available to us. And that's what drives a healthy gut microbiome. Absolutely. I love that. And so do you see more farmers being, uh, you know, maybe more passionate or more aware of the health side of it? Because Alan, actually, we, we discussed that the farmer suicide rate and the farmer mental health is like at an epidemic level. It's like it's terrible. I did not realize uh, uh, at the time that it was that bad. So are we getting more of an emphasis on health in the ag world? We are for a number of reasons. And yes, the suicide rate amongst farmers is near the highest of any occupation in the United States, unfortunately. And so that's due to a number of reasons, uh, just their own health not being what it should be, but also stress caused by financial situations and others, you know, other uh, reasons, factors. But we see over and over again the, the fact that um, farmers and ranchers themselves or their families or someone they know is being negatively affected just like your child is. And we are what we eat, you know, let that food be that medicine. And we need to get back to that. Fortunately, there's a growing number of healthcare professionals out there that are really beginning to tout food as preventative medicine. And we're doing what we can to educate them as to how that soil health, plant health, animal health, human health connection can help their patients. 
and help prevent them from becoming patients, more importantly. I know. I think that we have outsourced our well-being to industries that profit from us uh, consuming and being sick. But you're exactly right. Look at the healthcare profession today. That isn't about preventive medicine. It's about treatment. And we have to get back to preventative. We have to. And I recently visited with Sally Fallon Morrell. She's the president of the Weston A. Price Foundation. And I just love her approach to nutrition uh, and diet. And it is not so restrictive. And the focus on a local resilient food system and and what she preaches is so beautiful. So we went down earlier this year and visited with uh, Will Harris at uh, White Oak Pasture. So he told he told me that y'all were good buddies, and uh, he he just went on and on and on about you. So you got a fan in Will, that's for sure. Uh, thank you. But, I was I was down at White Oak. We put a three day school on there here uh, two months ago. Yeah. What? I was going after is I'm from Atkins, which is like Pickle City in Arkansas. When that plant closed and died, the agriculture just shriveled up. That you know, everybody was growing cucumbers and onions and stuff for them, and the jobs they just left. And so I got to see firsthand what happens to a community as the industries die. And so going down to to Bluffton, we and we we made a documentary that should come out uh, very soon about he's doing the opposite. Right. Like, so it's a rural area that's actually growing and not dying like most everyone that I have experienced, especially in eastern and southern Arkansas. So what takeaways do you have from what uh, Will and that crew have done in building the local economy? And what what kind of things can we take away from that in in your estimation? And Will has and his family have done an excellent job of of making things more local. And if you talk to Will, he's trying to pull it back even further. You know, his marketing efforts and that are becoming more and more concentrated close to home. And we see that happening with our clients all over um, the country is the fact that, you know, COVID exposed to some degree just how fragile our food system is. it doesn't make sense. I tell people this last winter here, I walked into a local grocery store here and I'm in Bismarck, North Dakota, you know, as far into the, you know, the geographical center of North America is only about a hundred miles from my place. And here there was peppers in there from Denmark. And think about that. I was looking at that and I thought, now, first of all, when did they have to pick that pepper for it to make it all the way to Bismarck? And then second of all, how few nutrients must there be in that pepper for being picked weeks ago and making that journey? And then I thought how sad it is that we don't eat more local. And people may say, well, Gabe, but in climates such as yours, North Dakota, uh, all foods aren't available. You know, you can only grow so much in our short growing season. But I think that goes back to where we need to eat more local and eat more seasonally. And I think that's the whole key message that Will and what they've done at White Oak Pastures is about is how do you work in your context, in your environment? And we need to see that. And then as people go down this journey of uh, improving their own health, they, they need to realize that they need to eat local and seasonal in order to get the 
phytochemical compounds that they need. And that can only come from locally sourced proteins, fruits, vegetables, grains, whatever the product may be. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, so we have a farmer's market and that, that's my goal is to work directly with a partner farm to, to plan and forecast. And we take on the retail responsibility of that. And it, it's Gabe, it's hard because the, a lot of times the farmer's not making money. Right. And, and so there, there's a whole lot that we've got to do in, in building out the entire food system. So we will commit to buy the entire crop of whatever it is that we, we agree. So if it's tomatoes or strawberries or, or whatever, and we, we even buy livestock by the head and have it processed down the spec. But so we've got the retail aspect of it. We have relationships with all kinds of chefs uh, in restaurants in, in central Arkansas. We have our own food truck. We have uh, a, a canning facility too. So we make the value added product. So we've got every aspect because you can't depend on any one of them. Uh, because, you know, there's days we'll have 600,000 pounds of tomatoes dropped off. Well, mm -hmm. we don't always sell 600 right. to 1,000 pounds right. of tomatoes a day. And having the sauces and uh, sauces and all of that is where it's got to be the whole food system. It's mm -hmm. not just markets. It's not just more farming. you got to have the outlet. Everybody's got to make money. And that is what I have loved about Will's operation, focusing in mostly on, you know, the meat and having his own processing facility, his own distribution. And I, it's been, he's turned Bluffton into a destination for people. That is in the middle of absolute nowhere. Yep, and he employs a lot of people, does a lot of good for the community and, and produces nutrient dense food. Win, win, win. I, it's just so beautiful. We have got, that's why I was so excited about a resource like yourself to teach anybody that wants, wants to learn it can access y'all. And so how would somebody that maybe what we're talking about is like, well, I want to be involved in that. What would be that first step for them to do? Uh, I mean, give yourself a shameless plug on that amazing book that you wrote too. Well, I wrote a book that's now all kind of outdated called Dirt to Soil. And, and uh, it has brought quite a bit of attention. It's, uh, it's now published in 11 different languages and number one selling soil science book on Amazon since it was released in 2018, so that's a pretty long run. But, but I think why uh, the book was, it is so popular is just because it's just our story. It's my family's story of how we went from taking dirt and through those uh, four trying years of hail and drought, uh, you know, learned how to make soil out of it. And I tell people, Gabe Brown is a poor cattleman, even worse farmer, but I can grow soil. And if you can grow soil, you can produce anything. And, and that's the key, you know, anything land-based. And so if people are wanting to go down this path, and I'm glad that more and more do, the key to me is they need to educate themselves. They need to understand how you convert dirt to soil. And as I said earlier, that's not rocket science. It's not that difficult to do. If Gabe Brown can do it, anyone can do it. It's pretty simple, but you gotta be educated. And so getting back to what you had talked about, how, how what you're doing in, in Little Rock there is you are helping the local farmers to add profitability to their operations. That's what it's gonna take because 
large-scale commodity agriculture is pretty much just a race to the bottom. If you take out the government subsidies and, and, and uh, things like that, there really is not an awful amount, a lot of profit in it. You know, it's pretty tough and it's a very, very capital-intensive business. Whereas you can be a much smaller scale, and as you stack enterprises, such as what we've done on our ranch, you're able to have your own efficiencies. You can take the waste stream from one product to drive the profit in another, and, and uh, that increases profitability. And, and then if you really cultivate and build that relationship with the local community, you're going to be, you know, you're going to have supporters there who will support you through thick and thin. And I think of uh, regenerative agriculture as one of cultivating relationships, relationships uh, throughout the supply chain. I think that's beautifully said, my friend. Uh, the opportunity, I feel, is really really good and we're going to be able to help people that that's that's the big desire it's not it's not money first um you know we got all we all have to run a profitable business or we don't pay our bills and have a good quality of life but it's that's not the primary driver it, and what you said about the relationships i that's perfect that is exactly been our philosophy i think that's why we have been you know successful and it's it's so important but what is that next step because I believe wholeheartedly what we're talking about is replicatable anywhere in the world. And what is that next step, do you think, on bringing some of these entities together? Because I, I live it, right? Like, I'm trying to build it out. But what what is going to be what somebody else sees? Because maybe they don't have the restaurants or maybe they don't have the retail market. Maybe they're mm -hmm. only a farm in the middle of nowhere. What, what yep. do you think? Yeah, but i think what we have to do is realize we need to find common ground for common good i really believe that mankind you know humans can agree on 85 plus percent of the things so why not come together and work on those things so you build relationships like you mentioned that uh, maybe there isn't the restaurants well cultivate that relationship if there's not a restaurant that's serving local food, cultivate that relationship. And it takes a lot of work, you know, and to do that. But once you cultivate a relationship and you build trust, and obviously you have to have the quality of product there, then you're able to add someone else. They, they're they gonna come to you because they know they can buy quality. And, and, and they know that the restaurant business by and large Obviously, there's a certain facet of it that doesn't care a lot about quality, but they're about, you know, getting people through the door. So if they can source high quality products and you have a more steady demand for your product, it's a win-win situation. You know, you, you have to come together and find that common ground and make it a win-win for all parties. Love it. Love it and agree. The other side of all this is to me, the awareness. It's doing things like this. It's having a discussion on somebody that's actually lived it. We're not, you know, we're not just theorizing um, about, you know, regenerative agriculture. You've seen it firsthand, been one of the leaders in it. The marketing side of it, that's that's our whole world. So the awareness and continually to get those, the you know, just the word out 
And uh, so going back to what Sally said is the Weston A. Price is launching a 50% campaign and where they're trying to encourage everybody to use 50% of their food budget to buy the things that we just talked about, the local, uh, the, the value add is the sourdough or fermented goods, uh, 50%. And so I thought that that was such a beautiful thing that like we need to share and see if, how many we can get participating in that. A absolutely, absolutely. And that'll go right along with the campaign that, that uh, we're involved with, which is to regenerate uh, within the next year a hundred million to move down the regenerative path, a hundred million acres in the United States. You know, we're, we're working on over 33 million right now. The goal is a hundred million in the next year. And so it's all about education. I think that's a great campaign that, you know, I'd certainly love to be a part of that. What do I do to help encourage Arkansas farmers to come y'all's direction as a, as a resource? Yeah. And realize if we're talking to farmers and ranchers, understanding ag, the reason we've gone, grown so fast so quickly is we increase profitability for farms and ranches. We're very good at helping people make money. We come onto their place, we help them. Uh, through, if they are a farmer, it's through proper soil testing. Uh, help them to realize that, uh, you know, 97% of what a plant needs to grow comes from the atmosphere. Yet it seems farmers just want to write checks for inputs. So we find that low-hanging fruit, so to speak, and where can they start saving some money as they move down their journey of becoming regenerative. And uh, so it's just a matter of getting the word out that hey, need to educate ourselves as to why this works and why the current industrial model is so broken. And I'm not afraid to say that, it is broken. And it's just causing a lot of these detrimental effects that we're seeing from both a human health and an environmental standpoint. It's horribly broken. Uh, I mean, I think anybody that objectively looks at it no, can, can see that it's horribly broken. Mm -hmm. Where do you think we can find that common ground that you were talking about earlier with like the, uh, the, the landmark institutions, the land grant universities, where, how, how do we. Yeah. That great, how, how do... great question, Logan. And just this past Thursday at the Tribeca film festival in New York city, we debuted the sequel to Kiss the Ground, which is called Common Ground. And what it showed, it exposed the fallacy and the corruption in the current industrialized model. But then it offered a path forward. It offered a path of farmers and ranchers and uh, you know those who are uh, taking care of the land, moving it down a regenerative path and how profitable they are in doing so. And so, you ask about land-grant colleges, and there's a lot of great teachers out there who are trying to do the right thing. Unfortunately, our system is skewed and biased by who makes the largest donations to those land-grant universities, which by and large is our large agro companies. And uh, they are going to skew the research and skew the funding at the land grants, and there is quite a segment in the movie about that and about how corrupt that system is, unfortunately. So to answer your question, how and where do we start? I think we start with ourselves, uh, what the Weston A. Price Foundation is doing, you know, uh, uh, source 
locally from regenerative farms and ranchers, that's a good start. I like to think we need to start at our local school systems also. And we need to go in there and make sure that they're serving local foods in our own school systems. You know, you look at the amount of mental health issues along with all the other issues, ADD, ADHD, Crohn's disease, and I could go on and on. Uh, in young people today, how much of that is the result of what those children are putting in their mouths, right? So start with the local, local uh, school districts and can we make a change there? Once we start making a change, there's one thing that will change Washington, and that's people's votes. And if they know that consumers are demanding change, they'll come on board. Otherwise, they're so influenced by lobbyists that it's, it's you know, a pretty difficult battle. You're spot on. The challenge that I have seen uh, in the schools is going to be the regulations that they got to go by and like what they feed feed them. I, like it, it is mind blowing. So I think everything that you just named is basically a metabolic disease. I think almost all chronic disease is metabolic in in nature. And the schools, when I go in there, I got four. I got two old men in elementary. The what I see kids eat blows my mind. And, and not only what they're bringing, like what the schools are giving them. Yeah. And uh, boy, I, I have just kind of hit a wall when it comes to trying to get through. <laughs> yeah. and well, the, the school systems consider ketchup a vegetable. I mean, that's ridiculous. You know, second ingredient in most ketchups is sugar, you know, come on. They're, they're, they're addicting them to, to sugar, you know, and, and uh, we just can't have that. And I think that starts with the local school board. You know, you have to, you have to raise enough fuss that, that yes. you demand attention. And it's not an easy fight. I'm not saying it is, but you know, you look with the look at the work Zen Honeycutt and Moms Across America is doing, and to drive change there, uh, we've got to start, and we have to take it upon ourselves. You know, I love that. I, that's. That's so beautiful. I know when Lander was diagnosed with cancer, it's like, I, I can't worry about everything. I got to focus on what I can control mm -hmm. and and then attack it. And I think that that approach can be implemented on any part of life. It's like, what can we can control and, and improve? Mm -hmm. So I, I love I love what you just said. Well, what is next for you, my friend? They got, I can't wait for that documentary to be available for me to watch. Um, what, what's next? Yeah, and, and I will say that documentary uh, by this fall will be available free to all school systems. So uh, hopefully it'll be shown, you know, uh, uh, the, the first documentary, Kiss the Ground, reached uh, 30 million people, and we're really hoping this one can reach 100 million people. And, uh, you know, what's next for us? Uh, one of the things you're going to see very soon on store shelves is a new certification called Certified Regenified. And my partners and I decided that we were tired of the greenwashing. We were tired of, of companies saying they are sourcing regenerative products. And in our mind, it was doing nothing for ecological health and nutrient dense foods. So uh, we put our money where our mouth is, so to speak, and started a verification company called Regenified. And uh, we've received Whole Foods approval and we already have a number of products that'll be hitting the shelves 
in some of the major supermarkets here within the next year. And we fully expect it to become the standard in regenerative agriculture. So what does that mean to a consumer? That is amazing. What does the consumer take away when they see that logo? Yeah, what they're going to know is it is by far the most comprehensive standard in the business in that they're going to have the uh, satisfaction of knowing the transparency that that particular product, whatever it is, was grown and raised on a farm that is uh, on a journey down the regenerative path and is adopting the regenerative uh, principles, rules, and to drive the processes. It is a verification that requires annual audits and it requires improvement every year. So a farmer, it's not just like you check the boxes and you're in. No, they have to keep moving forward. And so the end goal, of course, is to be one of completely free uh, chemicals, pesticides, fungicides, synthetics, and it'll be one that is improving biodiversity and ecosystem health while improving the nutrient density of the food. Wonderful. Is this more skewed towards meat or produce or, uh, or right, all the above? Right, yeah, all the above. Right now, we are actually certified and verifying uh, everything from from uh, watermelons to beef to eggs to honey to soap because uh, we're certifying palm oil uh, we're we're certifying forests uh, that are the timber industry we've got a contract there all products all products that are land-based uh, we will be verifying regenified awesome i cannot wait to help promote that that is wonderful we need to get we need to get some arkansas uh regenerified things going uh, to be honest we have already verified quite a number of farms in arkansas i, I know that for that. a fact <laughs> i love all right I'll, yeah. once we get everything lined out i want to get a list and be able to help promote promote that uh for it's all on mission okay. well give okay. me uh give me maybe a top couple books that have impacted you and they don't have to necessarily be on on ag or, or business or like what mm -hmm. what do you think that uh we need to read yeah well the first foremost of course is the bible you know i'd say that one that's got to be at the top of my list uh i really like books such as uh, fred provence's book nourishment is a is a fantastic read uh talking about uh, um you know the how foods have evolved and, and the fact that, you know, the nutrient density just isn't in our foods today. That's one. There, there's a lot of book, good books out there, you know, teeming with microbes, teeming with fungi. Uh, David Montgomery's book, uh, uh, he has a new one out, You Are What Your Food Ate, uh, What Your Food Ate. Uh, that's really good. Uh, there's a lot of them out there that uh, really can help stimulate some thought. Mycorrhizal planet is another one I really like talking about the importance of mycorrhizal fungi, which, you know, for for those who are concerned about too much carbon in the atmosphere, I mean, fungi have the potential to sequester mega amounts of, of carbon and, and could mitigate our offset rather easily if we'd allow it to. So those are just a few of them that I enjoy. You don't like to read at all, do you? 
Oh, I, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I try to get through a book a week, but uh, I don't always make it through one. So, I love yeah. it. Gabe, man, yeah. thank you so much for just being a voice for the movement. And and you've got an ally with us. We'll do everything we can to, to help spread the word. And, and uh, thank you. We got to let me know next time you're in Little Rock. Uh, I, I will do it. Thank you for all you do, Logan. It was a real pleasure being on with you today. Thank you, my friend. Thank you for listening to the Sewing Prosperity Podcast. We hope that you have learned something new and that you are inspired to adopt regenerative practices in your community. Remember that by working together, we can create a sustainable and abundant future for ourselves and for future generations.